0: On yet. There we are. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Trace. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I know we've got some first-time guests with us today. We're not going to ask that you do anything weird, so don't worry about it, but we are glad that you're here. So I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. want to say welcome to all of you that will be joining us online today to be a part of this conversa- conversation. Thanks for joining us. Here's how I want to begin today, guys. It's really a confession. This past week, uh, we had a plumber that we invited to come here to church to put in a water line. And while he was here, uh, one of the things, you know, they do, you've been a part of a process like this most likely. And so what he did is he came and he kind of assessed the situation and he determined that this is how much this is going to cost. So, you know, he shows me this ticket item and says, hey, if you want to move forward with this project, this is how much it's going to cost. And I got to be honest with you, I was kind of taken back by how much we were going to have to spend on this water line. And, and in that moment, um, I just couldn't get like past the transaction. Like the rest of the time he was here, I, went, I told him, I said, go ahead and do it. But my mind was kind of stuck. I'm like, man, I can't believe we're paying that much for that. And in that moment, what actually happened is that this gentleman became a transaction. Do you know that when people become transactions in our life, when people are nothing more than, hey, I need you to do something for me, I'm paying you to do something for me, when they become a transaction in our life, that we actually lose sight of them? And so that was happening in this moment. And as I was getting some work done and he was here doing his thing, God kind of snapped me out of it. <clears throat> and he said, Aaron, why don't, you, why don't you do the very thing that you've been asking Trace Church to do for the last couple weeks? And if you're new here today, we've been talking about this statement a whole lot, seeing people is the beginning to loving them. And at that moment, I wasn't seeing this young man because I was just seeing him as a transaction, but finally God opened my eyes. And so as he was coming to the conclusion of his work, I just went over and started a conversation with him. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, what what are your thoughts on church? What are your thoughts on God? And I never know how somebody's going to respond to those questions, but he was very open to the conversation. He said, man, I'm not really into religion. I actually hate religion. And I've been a part of a lot of different things, and he'd been in the military before, and he'd seen a lot of stuff that kind of messed with him when it came to how he viewed God. And, And he said, but I do pray every single night. Friends, there's a lot of people out there that are done with religion, and for good reason. And let me remind you of something that I actually had to remind him of that very morning. I said this, Jesus didn't come so that you could be a better rule follower. He came so that you could have life. And so I talked to this young man about how we're trying to create a different kind of place here, a place that welcomes the messiness of people's lives, how we're going to create a messy church here because we're going to pursue both truth and grace. And we're really just trying to lose sight of ourselves, We're trying to lose sight of ourselves so that we can focus on other people. But the very thing that I was telling him, I was also in the process of being guilty of. You know how quick that happens? I was looking at this young man as a transaction, and then God prompted me, and he spoke to me, and he woke me up again. He said, Aaron, I want you to give this young man your envelope. Now, for those of you that are new here, a couple weeks ago, we handed out about 400 envelopes, and in those envelopes was $10,000. And the idea behind this is that we would we were doing this as a church to encourage you to open your eyes once again to wake up, to wake up and start to see the people that God is putting in your path, because we believe he's putting some of those people in your path on purpose. But if you don't see them, if you just see through them, see past them, then you actually won't see what God needs you to do in that very moment. And oftentimes it just starts with being available. Just being available. And so I gave him my envelope and he had let me know that he was married. And I said, Hey man, why don't why don't you have a date night? On Trace Church. Friends, this type of interaction has actually become an echo in my life where I talk to people, it almost seems like on a weekly basis now, who are skeptical of places like this and people like me, oftentimes because they've been given a bad dose of religion. And so I continue to, to try to start a new dialogue to, to help them to see a different picture And a lot of these people who walk through these doors, maybe you're even still here today, maybe you came on the other end of an invitation, and you're not sure if you can trust places like this and people like us. A few weeks ago, I gave a kind of a quick invitation for anybody, I think it was the message on hope, and I gave an invitation for people to come forward if they wanted to talk about what a relationship with Jesus looked like. And one gal came up to me specifically, and she said, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been coming for a few weeks, and when I first came... I thought you were full of shiitake mushrooms, but she said something else. I don't mind that kind of candor if it's where somebody really is. wouldn't encourage it, but I don't mind it. And so I looked at her and I said, man, we're just trying to figure it out. Like none of us, uh, I said it differently. I said, most of us are like the rest of us. You've heard us say that here before. And then she continued and she said, but the more I've been coming, the more I realize you guys are, you guys are just trying to focus on loving other people. Ultimately, what she was saying, and she didn't say it exactly like this, but I think what she was getting to is this place is all about Jesus. And it is. Trace, listen to me. People just don't need those envelopes. They need to know that Jesus is still for them. They need to know that religion is not what we're after. They need to know that God still sees them and has a place for them. There are so many people who have been wounded by the church, who have been wounded from people like me and even people like you. I think we've all probably done it unintentionally at some point in our life where we pointed people away from Jesus and how we were trying to portray Jesus. Friends, we've got to paint them a new picture. We've got to start representing what Jesus looks like, and I really do believe it's as simple as just being available. Stop looking at people as transactions. And I want to encourage you with something that I've been saying for the last couple weeks. I'm going to put a couple sermons together here. I want you to open your eyes, and I want you to wake up your heart. And I want you to leverage whatever little bit of opportunity and whatever little bit of time that God has given you, however long that is, and it won't be as long as we hope it will be. I want you to leverage that little bit of time and little bit of opportunity to show people what Jesus actually looks like. Yeah, you're not going to do it flawlessly, I promise. I just want you to be available. Because here's what I'm learning, and I experienced it this past week. Overlooking people takes no effort. Overlooking people takes no effort, but making yourself available, stopping and getting the attention off of yourself so that you can be available for somebody else, that takes Jesus. And what I know is I need more Jesus in my life every day, every day. So before we move forward with our sermon today on our new four-letter word, I just want to pray, if you'll pray with me, that God will continue to open our eyes. Father, I think we all get this wrong at some point in our life. And Father, I started to feel like a hypocrite this week because here I am encouraging everybody else, but how quick it happened for me to begin to overlook somebody else because I saw them as a transaction. God, I think we get stuck in this and we just get in our ruts and our routines and we stop seeing people. And so, God, whatever it will take for every person in here, and you'll probably have to come at them in different ways. You know better than I do, obviously, God, that you would just open our eyes, that you would stop us in our tracks, and we, you would show us that all you need us to do sometimes is just see the person in front of us to make ourselves available and to be a trace of your love, maybe by listening, maybe not, by not even saying anything, And so, God, would you continue to show us what that looks like? Because what I don't want, I don't want to become a church. We talk about the right things to do, but we never do it. And, Lord, we know that none of this stuff that you've asked us to do is so that we can earn your favor. You have given us your grace, what you accomplished for us on the cross by giving your very own life. You gave that to us for free if we'll simply accept it and put our faith and trust in you but out of the natural overflow of our heart, God, that should lean us in your direction to want to live and reflect your son, Jesus. God, we need your help. I need your help. We need to see Jesus more every day. I pray this in his name. Amen. All right. Well, guys, today we're going to be looking at a new four-letter word together, and it's this word right here. Now, Something I need to tell you, when you're from Kentucky, you're allowed to make up new words, okay? So I made up a new word for us today, and it's called withness, and I'm going to try to get it in Wikipedia at some point, but you're going to hear me use the word withness a lot. It's not a word, but it is for our time today. Sound good? Everybody okay with that? All the grammar people out there are like, no, I'm leaving. I'm done. Guys, there's a very clear purpose and message that I have for us today, and it's built around my one thing, and it goes like this. You were created to be with others to know, and to be fully known. And the reason why I want to drive this principle home so emphatically is because I also believe this next statement to be true. You can never be God's best version of you without community but specifically biblical community. You can never be God's best version of you without biblical community. And the reason why that I wanted to communicate it that way, biblical community instead of just community, is because the word community, I think, has gotten so broad that we don't necessarily know what it is. It could be really big, it could be really small, it could have different focuses. So I specifically wanted to say biblical community. So if that's a new concept to you, let me share with you how I would describe what that is really quick. Biblical community is a place, and it's a people where we share in life. We share meals together, we share pain together, we share successes and failures, but most importantly, we share Jesus. You see, this kind of community and this idea of doing life with others is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he came and walked on this earth to start a new mission, to put in place a new movement. It's what we're a part of today. It's called his church. And this movement was going to look a lot different than what the people who lived before him experienced in this old covenant. Maybe you've been around church, you know this idea of old and new covenant. Because Jesus came to start something new, and what he was not going to do was going to build something on a bunch of religious rules. Instead, he said, this new movement, this new thing that I'm calling you to be a part of called my church, it's not going to be built on religion. It's going to be built on relationships. And if you're completely new today to all of this, if you're completely new to church and this idea of being a Christ follower, friends, the foundation of the Christian faith is built on this idea of love, but specifically love in the context of relationships. So I want to share with you this morning a verse. It's actually a verse that we used a couple weeks ago when we looked at the four-letter word love, but I'm going to put a different spin on it this morning, and it's a verse that I actually come back to a lot because of uh, how important it is to this new movement that Jesus came to start. And it's in John chapter 13, but let me give you some historical context for what we're going to read here in just a moment. You see, Jesus is getting close to the cross. He's getting closer and closer to being arrested, and he knows this, and he knows that he's only got a little bit of time. And a little bit of opportunity to make sure that he shows his disciples this new idea, this new movement, this new covenant that he came to put in place. And so he knows that there's some, some really important messages that he's going to have to nail home. And we see him do that right here in John chapter 13. Here's how he begins. He says, guys, listen to me. This is a lean in kind of moment. He says, I'm going to give you a new command." Now, you've got to understand, again, the historical context here for the disciples, all they knew was commands, right? They had been underneath the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments, all these different rules and regulations that they were supposed to follow. But Jesus says, listen, I'm going to give you a new one. And in this moment, you've got to imagine, they're like, whoa, okay, this is a big deal. This is a new command that Jesus is about to give us. And here's what he says. He says, love one another. But pay attention to what he doesn't say, because what he doesn't say is love other people. No, he says, love one another, which is this idea of withness. Yes, stay with me. This idea of withness. He says, love one another means you're going to have to love and you're going to have to receive love in order for this to work the way that I want it to. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, this is so monumental. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. When you do this withness well when you love each other, it's going to cause an attraction from people outside of places like this to look in and say, that's what I'm missing in my life. That's what I need in my life. Because we were created to be known and to fully know. And so there's this gap within us that a lot of people, when they see it being done well, they're attracted to it. And so Jesus says, listen guys, if you do this well, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Everyone will know that you have actually made me the leader and Lord of your life if you love one another witness. Jesus says, I'm doing something new. And instead of a bunch of rituals and rules and religious rhetoric, all of us have had our fair share of that, especially if you've grown up in the church, Jesus says, I'm replacing that. I'm replacing it with something better. And it begins with relationships. First, your relationship with your Heavenly Father, and then your relationship with others. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in the context of love, where it's like, Jesus was asked a question, hey, if there's anything that we can do, like if there's something that is, is more important than anything else, Jesus, what is it that you want us to do? And he says, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we talked about the context of neighbors and what that just means is loving people who are in your vicinity. It could change at any given time. Jesus says you got to love God and you got to love people. But he made it clear if you let go of one, you have to let go of the other. The two go hand in hand. You have to do this simultaneously because it's this idea of witness, loving each other. And if you do this, man, people are going to see something that they want for their lives. But if you don't, if you're not willing to do life with others, you're missing out on a core foundational principle that I'm starting something new with, my church. Friends, in order for you to receive and reveal what Jesus wants for you, it takes both loving and receiving love. And this means all of us are going to have to learn the art of being with, The art of being with others, to know and to be fully known. Do you know where this principle plays out in a very interesting way? In rehab. I don't know this firsthand, just so we're clear. Uh, Some of you might, and that's okay. But what happens in rehab, is, if you've ever been there, you probably know what I'm about to say. There's something called rehab romances. And all these romances begin in rehabs because for the first time in a lot of people's lives, they're actually exposing who they really are. What's the point in hiding anymore? What's the point in not showing people my broken life because I'm at rehab? I finally have got to a place in my life where I'm just going to expose who I really am, and then they get to see who other people really are. And maybe for the first time in many of those people's lives, they actually get to know and be fully known. And there's something attractive about that. And so not only do these relationships start to take form in rehab, but a lot of lifelong friendships. For those of you that have been a part of any 12-step processes, you know this as well. A lot of lifetime friendships begin to take place because there's something attractive about knowing others but also being fully known. And you know why this is so hard for the rest of us? Because of things like betrayal and deception and fear. And fear we've been there before, haven't we? It's not that we haven't tried it. It's not that we haven't put ourselves out there before in the past. We have, and it came back to bite us, and it hurt, and left us with a scar. We've got some scar tissue from previous experiences where we put ourselves out there. Here's something I need to tell you if that's where you're at today. Your heart will heal. I promise you it will. It takes time, but it will heal. It will But there's also other reasons why I don't think we allow others to fully know us and for us to fully know other people. Maybe it's because of selfishness and self-centeredness. Maybe it's because we're too focused on our own lives to fully get to know someone else. (laughs) Guys, I get the risk. I really do. I get the risk that comes with allowing others to know you, but I also understand the risk maybe better than you do of what happens if you don't. You see, as a pastor, I've gotten a front row seat to watch others live in isolation. And I talk with people a lot of times that find themselves living in their own personal darkness alone. And you've got to understand this, friends. If Jesus knows that a big part of us doing what the church is actually supposed to do and building this movement of God on relationships, if that's what Jesus wants for us, the enemy wants just the opposite. The enemy wants you living in isolation because that's his playground. He's going to have a lot of fun with you in isolation. He's going to convince you of things that are just they lies from the pit of hell. Friends, if Jesus wants to build his church on relationships, the enemy wants to build his kingdom on isolation, convincing you that you don't need other people. I want to show you something that, uh, well, actually, let me do this. Let me back up for a second. Let me come at this from a different angle. I'm going to come at this from a different angle. I've done several funerals in my career And many of them, if not all of them, have been heartbreaking because I've done them for children. I've done them for people who have taken their own life. I had to do the funeral for my very own mentor who died in his 50s at a very young age. But maybe, listen to me, maybe the saddest funerals that I've either officiated or I've been a part of are people who died alone, where people died but no one really showed up for them. And maybe they chose that, right? Maybe they chose isolation. Maybe they were just a jerk their whole life. Or maybe they just never took the opportunity to allow anyone to know them, and therefore they never really got to know anyone else. Guys, stay with me because I'm taking us somewhere with this. In John chapter 14, there's a passage that I actually use a lot in funerals, and maybe you've heard it before. Let me read what Jesus says. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Friends, I believe God is not only preparing a place for us, I believe he's preparing us for that place. You see, we often think about the kingdom of God as a place that we're going to go to one day when we've taken our last breath here on earth. But God actually says, no, we can actually bring part of his kingdom here. Jesus himself, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning we have the opportunity to bring parts of God's kingdom here on earth. And I personally believe it begins with a desire to know others and to be fully known. A desire to show up in someone else's life. Because there are a lot of people... And maybe they haven't died their physical death yet, but they're not walking around living. They're just dying slowly because they haven't experienced this: that you were created to be with others, to know, and to be fully known. Let me take a timeout for a second. And for those of you that are new to Trace, I do this from time to time because I'm going I'm to kind of take a detour away from what I'm saying, but it's still going to fit. I want this place to grow. I want as many people to come through those doors as possible, but specifically people who are far from God who don't know who Jesus is. What we're not is we're not going to be one of those churches, and I'm not one of those leaders that just wants to be some big mega church, you know, lead pastor, but I do want this place to grow. And one of the things that we're, we've committed to is as we grow, we're going to continue to plant churches. We're going to be a church planting church. You, you should know that about us. But even though we want this place to grow, I want to make sure that we're clear about a statement. And so I wrote it down for you. Here's how it goes. We're not going to be the kind of church that measures our effectiveness through how many people show up here. We will always measure our effectiveness in how many people show up for others. Can I say it one more time? We're not going to be the kind of church that measures our effectiveness through how many people show up here, even though we want as many people as possible to walk through those doors, especially people living broken lives that are walking around as dead people. And they're just hoping to experience a new type of life. Yes, we want this place to grow. But we will always measure our effectiveness in how many people show up for others. Guys, some of the most impactful images that I can recall in my 13 years of ministry, full-time ministry, has been when I've actually got to see the church be what she's supposed to be. When I've actually gotten to witness the church showing up for others. When I go to people, and all these are true stories. When I show up to somebody's house because a family member decided to take their own life. And what I see is people doing dishes, not the family members, but just people who decided to show up and just be with them. And I see people doing dishes, and I see people doing laundry and folding clothes, and I see people kneeling down and praying with family members, and I see people cooking food. And I'm like, yes. There are times I show up to hospitals because of a tragic accident, and I get there and I see hospital waiting rooms full of people, and there's really nothing that they can do, but they just want to be with them to show up for somebody else one of the things that's happened here recently that (laughs) didn't used to be reality in my life is I love going to hospitals and holding new babies and the reason I say that is I really don't like kids Um, and that's so this is kind of a new thing and that's kind of weird because I've got four of them myself Uh, but God is teaching me and and shaping me he does that doesn't he just continues to transform me I love little babies I didn't used to be this way (laughs) And so I go to hospitals. I've done this maybe for some of you. And you had a baby and I just, I just hold the little babies. I pray over them, I love on them and I rock them. But I've also noticed that a lot of moms struggle, especially moms after having a baby, maybe they experience some postpartum. Maybe they just can't, they can't get ahead. Maybe they got other little kids at home and they're trying to manage and it's tough. And when I see other moms show up for them, other moms who come up and say, hey, why don't you take a break? I'll take the rest of your kids. You know, do what you need to do. Hey, what if we just brought you some food? Would that help? When I see people show up for other people, it's a beautiful image of what the church was always supposed to be. But, friends, the opposite is also true. Because when we don't show up in others' lives, we fill the void of this right here. Living without living without someone to show up when you maybe need somebody the most. Friends, I believe God has put us as followers of Jesus here on this earth to fight back the darkness. And I believe one of the greatest missions of the church is to link arms and fight back the darkness together. But it's not just the bigger picture of darkness that we as the light of the world that Jesus calls us. Yes, we're supposed to link arms and fight back the darkness. But what about those moments when we just need somebody to show up in our life and help us to fight our own personal hell? What about those moments that we didn't see coming? That depression, that postpartum? That anxiety, that doubt, that sin, that temptation, that compromise, that failing marriage, that challenging child. Whatever that was for you, you never saw it coming. Would anybody else, let me just ask a rhetorical question this morning. Would anybody else like someone to show up in your life to help you to fight your own personal darkness? Because that's what Jesus wanted to build his church on. I want to read to you something in Galatians that Paul says to the people of Galatians. It's in Galatians chapter 6. Here's how he begins. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm fighting the cold a little bit here. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, let me give you the Aaron Living Translation, the ALT. If somebody does something stupid, if somebody does something stupid, if somebody's caught up in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, let's say it all loud together. There's a lot of people and a lot of friends, like my plumber friend that I met this week, who don't want to walk through those doors because this never happened. Instead, they were given a bad dose of religion. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, if somebody does something stupid, meaning if we caused our personal darkness to happen, it wasn't that it didn't—you know—it didn't surprise us. We knew it was coming because of the things we were doing in our life. So even if that's the case, you who live by the Spirit should restore, restore that person gently. We still show up and we fight that darkness together. But he says, "But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted." That's a great statement of wisdom. And then watch what he says. He says, "Carry each other's burdens." I know this is probably one of the most repetitive things that we bring up here at Trace and I'm okay with that and we'll keep talking about it because I think this is it right here. Carry each other's burdens, in other words, push back the darkness in each other's lives. Be willing to show up for someone else. And if you do that, Paul says, in this way you will fulfill you will fulfill the law of Christ. Can you see how big and monumental and foundational this statement is? Anytime Paul tells me that we can fulfill the law of Christ by doing something like this, I pay attention. Because God's, Jesus' new movement, this thing called his church, it was going to be built on relationships. And not just these passive kind of relationships, but this idea of witness, where we love one another, where we show up for one another, where we're willing to bring We're willing to push back the darkness together. He says, if you'll do this, you'll actually fulfill the law of Christ. Watch this next statement? If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Friends, don't ever get so caught up in your own life that you're not willing to show up for someone else. Can I say it one more time? Don't ever get so caught up in your own life that you aren't willing to show up for someone else. Some of you may be hearing everything that I'm saying this morning. You may think to yourself, man, I see the point you're making, Aaron, but I really don't need this. Maybe you're an independent person. I would be in that bucket as well. I consider myself a pretty independent person. And maybe we really don't need this type of community for ourselves. Listen to me. Quit making this about you. Quit making this about you. Paul didn't say, hey... If you got some time, if you're willing, if this is something that you need, why don't you show up for someone else and be willing to fight the personal darkness in their their life? Why don't you show up for somebody else and help them carry a burden, if it's convenient? He didn't say that. He says, hey, if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, be willing to show up in somebody else's life. Be willing to link arms with them and push back the darkness. Because you know what the opposite of fulfilling the law of Christ is? Listen to me. It's diminishing it. None of you showed up this morning because you want to diminish what Jesus wants for your life or anyone else's. You showed up this morning because you want to embrace it. You showed up this morning because you know God's got a much bigger and greater purpose for your life. And I'm here to convince you this morning that it begins with being with others, this idea of being available for others, this idea of witness to be known and to fully know. And let me talk to my church friends in here. When I say church friends, here's what I mean by that. You've been in church for the majority of your life. You've been following Jesus for the majority of your life. I'm in that bucket too, okay? You don't need another Bible study. You just need to do what the Bible says. Sometimes we get stuck in this rut as church people, and it's like, man, I just want to learn more. I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to learn. But as we learn, we're not doing anything with it. That is not what the Bible is for. As we learn and we get to know, we show. As we learn and we get to know, we show. Maybe the best thing you can do to go deeper in your faith is not another Bible study. It's just showing up in somebody else's life. So can I ask you this morning? Do you know someone who's living in their own personal hell right now? Do you know somebody that's fighting alone? You want to go deeper? You want to experience who Jesus is and what he can do through your life? Just show up. Just show up because you were created to be with others, to know and to be fully known. Friends, we believe so much in this that we've created a context for you to experience this here at Trace. We call them neighboring groups. And if you've been a part of churches in the past, you've probably heard them called several different things, small groups, discipleship groups, life groups. We call them neighboring groups for a reason. I don't have a whole lot of time to go into that right now, but ultimately what you're going to get to experience if you get into a group, and let me be clear about this. We say this all the time around here. We want everyone in a group. Like if you're coming here and you're thinking to yourself, man, I want to go deeper. I want to take the next step. What does that look like? Outside of putting your faith in Jesus, which will always be the biggest win in this place, outside of that, the best thing that you can do is get yourself into a group because this is where we believe biblical community is going to happen. When you get into a group, you're going to experience things a lot of the things that we've already talked about this morning, it's where life really happens. This idea of biblical community, yes, you're going to share meals together, but you're, all, you're also going to share and carry burdens together. And it's not just about pushing back your own personal darknesses or darknesses in others' lives. It's also about celebrating. You should never have to celebrate alone. It's those moments where you start taking baby steps towards Jesus and somebody else is noticing that in you and they're behind you and they're encouraging you and they're saying, I see it. I see what you're doing and they're behind you and they're praying for you. Friends, we should never have to carry a burden alone, and we should never have to celebrate alone. It's also that place where you're going to get to go deeper in Bible study. Not so that you can just increase your biblical repertoire of knowledge and impress other people. It's so that you can grab a concept of who God is so that you can reflect him in your personal lives. Friends, this context of neighboring groups, meeting in someone else's home throughout the week, it's actually a closer model to the New Testament church than what we do in here on Sunday morning. And let me tell you, I'm going to allow you to come behind the scenes with me really quick. And I want to tell you something of what we kind of set out to do from the very beginning. So I'm going to allow you to kind of eavesdrop on some conversations that we have behind the scenes. One of the reasons why we want everyone in a group here at Trace is because we believe that is where you're going to experience deeper levels of discipleship. And if you're new to church, discipleship just means becoming more like Jesus. And so, if we can get everyone in a group, especially those of you that are ready to take a next step, that means we can approach Sunday morning differently. Stay with me. We unashamedly talk about this. We approach Sunday morning thinking about people who don't know God more than people who do. We are going to approach Sunday morning thinking about your friend and your brother and your sister and your son and your daughter and your neighbor and your coworker who don't know Jesus. Yeah, we're thinking about those people and how we put together a Sunday morning. Here's my question for you. Are you thinking about them? Do you know that this is a safe place you can invite those people into? We're thinking about them. It's not that we've lost sight of you if you're already saved. It's not that we've lost sight of you if you want to go deeper in your faith. We've created a context for that. We don't approach church by looking at Sunday morning. We approach church by looking at your experience throughout a week. And so if we can get you in a group where we know biblical community is going to take place and you're going to develop as a disciple of Jesus, then we can focus on your lost friends on Sunday morning. And here's something that you need to know about us. And I know I've said this before. We will do anything short of sin to reach lost people. Somebody asked me this past week, and it was a great question. Man, don't you think that might be a little bit too far? And here's what I I know what he's saying, because what he's saying is a friend of mine. he's, He's saying, man, we can't compromise the truth. We can't compromise the gospel. And I get that. So where we would determine that line is, we will never compromise the gospel, but we will also make sure everything's on the table. Everything is on the table when it comes to all the different ways that we could potentially reach the unchurched people and the people who are far from God in this city. So yes, there is a line. And we're willing to go up to that line and meet people. Not step over the line, but meet people where they're at and pivot and turn them and move them in the direction of Jesus. You know what that means? It means we're going to play all kinds of music here. Yes, including secular music. It means we're going to have lip sync battles where I destroy Corey. It means means we're going to give away $10,000 so that we can make the point that we're not after your money. It means we'll cancel church services so that we can serve together. It means we're going to expose, specifically the leaders, the people who have a microphone up here, we're going to expose our own screw-ups so that we don't make ourselves out to be hypocrites up here. We're in this with you. We just happen to be the one with the microphone. We're going to invite the messiness of people's lives so that they feel like they don't have to hide anymore. Friends, if you told us that running down the streets of downtown Colorado Springs naked would help us reach more people for Jesus, I would 100% have Tyler do it. You got a cat call there, buddy. That's. <laughs> Listen to me. Our focus on reaching people far from God will never change. That's why we started this church. I want you to partner with us. And best way you can partner with us is to be available. The best way you can partner with us is invite people not just a church, into your own home, invite people to coffee, just sit down and listen. I was talking with a friend the other day and she said, I don't feel like I'm that person that knows how to like love people or help people through, through serving, but I love to listen to people. And I looked at her and I said, listening is one of the best forms of love. Listening is active. Too many of us don't listen uh, as good as we should. Friends, we need your help. And so I just want to be really clear. It's not that we've lost sight of you. If you're already saved... We have a context for you. We have a place for you. It's called neighboring groups. And it doesn't mean we even lose sight of you on Sunday mornings. But there are too many churches out there that are dying or stagnant because they're just interested in entertaining Christians. Not here. We're going to think about your lost friends. Will you? Will you? Let me end by sharing one more verse with you that Paul says. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. Here's what he says. I don't do what's just best for me. Maybe this is something you need to write on your mirror when you brush your teeth every morning and evening. You should twice a day. It's good. <laughs> I don't do what's just best for me. I'm, I'm going to not get in a neighboring group because I feel like it, it's just I don't need that. Maybe I get in a neighboring group because maybe it's not best for me at this point in my life, but maybe it's because God needs me to show up for somebody else. I don't do what's just best for me. I do what is best for others so that many, go back, so that many, go back to, there you go, so that many may be saved. What if we all took that approach in our faith? I don't do what's just best for me. I'm going to do what's best for others, hoping that God will use it, that he'll leverage my little bit of time and my little bit of opportunity so that many, many may be saved. Friends, everything that we do at this church, you need to know this, is so that people, so that they, whoever they is, your son, your daughter, your coworker, your neighbor, your friend, so that they may be with Jesus. Everything that we do here is so that they may be with Jesus. Partner with us. Let me pray for us. Father, a big part of following through on what it is you've asked us to do is simply just being available. A big part of what you've asked us to do is losing sight of ourselves and actually thinking about and asking and praying for you to show us how you can leverage our influence for a greater opportunity so that many may be saved. God, we need your help. I need your help. I'm I'm not even going to pray on behalf of anybody else. I need your help. I get too caught up in the most stupidest of things. Get sidetracked. Start to see people's transactions. Get caught up in busyness overlook people. God, I think we have the opportunity here to do something amazing. But first, it starts with seeing people. It starts with being available. And It starts with showing up for others. That's what you came to start in this new movement you call your church. God, we need your help, though. Would you help us this morning? I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.